I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. Good evening. I'm Tim Cocker, and this is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2, and we're into the second test week of the 2021 Lions Tour, and we have loads to get through over the next hour. We're going to hear from the Lions camp. Having taken a 1-0 series lead in that win on Saturday, can the Lions secure the series victory this weekend? We'll hear from assistant coach Steve Tandy and Mako Vanapola shortly. Uh, And if you thought the weirdness in the world in 2021 had peaked, think again, because the... I can't believe I'm saying this. The Springbok director of rugby, Razi Erasmus, has been caught up in an embarrassing Twitter storm. It's hilarious. So more on that coming up with South African journalist Brendan Nell. And today's player profile, where we look at the life and background of each member of the Lions squad, is Owen Farrell. His former teammate from Harpenden Rugby Club, Tom Stagg, will spill the beans. And we're going to pick our Lions side to take on the Springboks in the second test. That's all to come on the Lions Daily. But you know what? Let's start by basking in the glory of Saturday's game. It was tense, it was niggly, it was really physical, but ultimately it was a win for the Lions who defeated South Africa 22 points to 17 and the action was live and exclusive on TalkSport. Nick Berry blows the whistle and Dan Bigger will get the 2021 Lions series underway. Pollard steps up right-footed, strikes it cleanly, strikes it through the first points of the Test Series, go to the home side. 13 minutes played, South Africa three, British and Irish Lions, nil. Andre Pollard with the penalty. A penalty from where the ball landed from when Faf de Klerk kicked, and which means it's a penalty from just outside of the Lions 22. And he's able to uh, slot it straight over for his second penalty of the afternoon and South Africa lead the British and Irish Lions. Courtney Laws wins the line out. The Lions three, South Africa 12 here on Talk Sports. Luke Cowan-Dickey has the ball at the back. This is better set up from a Lions point of view. Now the backs are going to get involved as well. They're up. They're a metre short of the line. They're up to the line. Are they over it? Try scored! First try of the Test Series goes to the British and Irish Lions and they absolutely needed it. 
vital. They got the first points of the second half. And from a rolling mall, catch and drive at the line out, Luke Cowan Dickey gets the try. It's South Africa 12, British and Irish Lions 8. South Africa are up and over the line. Fafta Klerk has put the ball down in the in-goal area. <laughs> Alan Wynne-Jones cannot believe it's been given, but TMO Marius Jonker has said he could see no reason to not allow it. Just a couple of moments ago, Villa LaRue was denied a try. That on 46 minutes. This occasion, the TMO has ruled in South Africa's favour. It's South Africa 17. British and Irish Lions, Tech, Dan Bigger, ball on the tee, right-footed, steps up, always made great contact, up and on the way, flags go up, the Lions lead for the first time in the first test, 63 minutes played here on TalkSport, South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 19, Farrell waits, draws the line to the post with his eyes, steps forward, right-footed, it's up, it's on the way, it's straight between the posts, Owen Farrell's first kick of the afternoon, goes straight between the uprights, and makes it South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 22. Reinhard Elson takes the ball into contact, it's squirmed loose. The Lions have it, they pounced on it. Connor Murray passes it back to Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg whacks it into the stands, and that is it. The Lions will win the first test of the series against South Africa in Cape Town. Full time at Greenpoint Stadium, Cape Town. South Africa 17, British and Irish Lions 22. Loved it. Talk sports, Alfie Reynolds, just as well as the game, how long was it, uh, sorry, how good was it and how long has it been since we were, were in a bar with fans, in a crowd, watching rugby? And, uh, the spectacle of it as well as the game was just awesome. And it was so good to hear that as well on, on the talk sport coverage over the weekend. We had reporters all over the country in rugby clubs and bars and restaurants and the supporters getting involved. It almost felt like we were back to normal, Tim. It, it was so good, so enjoyable. And of course, the result helped as well. Oh, it certainly did. I, 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 it would be remiss of me if I didn't ask what cut of steak did you go for at Simon Shaw, former Lions restaurant? So they didn't actually ask, but it was delicious, whatever, whatever the cut was, Tim. <laughs> that, that's all I can say. Good. Glad to hear it. Now, it was... I, I just think when I look back at that game and I listen to Macca's commentary again, it wasn't always attractive, but it was very effective. Uh, South Africa looked like they were bossing the first half. Warren Gatlin tactically got one up on his opposite man and the players' physicality just beat up the South Africans at their own game, the aerial game, which is what South Africa are so good at. The Lions nailed in that second half and a big part of the physical edge that came from the Lions was from Marowitoji and Courtney Laws who former Ireland and Lions winger Tommy Bowe told TalkSport were both excellent. You think about big games, you think about the Euros, the big players step up at the big moments. And Maro Toja is one of those players people questioned going into the tour, could he have been tour captain? He hasn't played much top-level rugby for Saracens this year, of course, after their whole transfer debacle. But class is permanent and when it comes to those big big moments he made an unbelievable turnover like you said against Khaleesi in that first half that really was the change of momentum there and again at the very end of the match so Maro Toje was one of the real standout players along with Courtney Laws who was a really a, 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 a tricky old decision made by Warren Gatland so to get to bring in uh, Courtney Laws and for him to play it like he did was uh, fantastic. Yeah, Warren Gatland absolutely nailed his selections. He was totally vindicated, wasn't he? Courtney Law's just one example. 
Yeah, and the bench as well, Tim. You mentioned the second half and how things changed and how maybe they were out-coached or tactically the Lions just got the better of them in that second half. I think the, the bench and the replacements and how the Lions adjusted to that game goes a long way in, in describing that. And you mentioned it was kind of tight and niggly and, and on the surface, it, it was perhaps almost not an instant classic in the way that some previous Lions matches have been. Do you think that's down to the fact that there was no crowd in there? I just think if there was a crowd for that game, we're branding that an all-time classic, potentially. Uh, uh, I know what you're saying, but I think I disagree. I was actually disappointed at how little South Africa played. Okay. That, and it was very effective in the first half, their aerial game, which completely changed in the second half, and they got no change out of it whatsoever. But when you've got exactly the same back line that won the Rugby World Cup, uh, you've got Cheslin Colby and Mapimpi, and you've got Faf de Klerk, and, and you've got the really powerful centres. I just I just thought they didn't throw a shot other than doing the, the, the aerial bombs and trying to get some change out of that. And I think part of that is because they didn't physically tire out the Lions in the way that they're used to doing to sides, like they did against England in the Rugby World Cup final when 60 minutes England absorbed, 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 and then eventually the dam burst and they scored some quick tries. So I was disappointed in South Africa, but I think that's to the Lions' credit. I, but uh, no, I don't think it was a crowd thing. I, I think the game was uh, not... Gr- it, it lacked quality, particularly in that first half. That, to be, that's a fair point. To, just to counter it, in terms of that South African backline, I think you could also say that the, I mean, none of the Lions' backline really shone either. It was a game that was won kind of from the twelve channel in, wasn't it? Amongst the forwards, really, it would be my only counter argument. It was what Mike Brown actually was on the show yesterday when we we're speaking about the wingers and how the Lions' wingers didn't really get into it. It's the same for South Africa, really, as well. So maybe it wasn't one of those games that quite opened up, up enough to to give us the excitement of the backs. That that is a fair comment. Uh, just returning to Maru Itoji, who Tommy Bow, mm. who was one of many people showering praise on him. Uh, did you think when you were watching that Lions game? This this is what came to me a little bit is that it was like we were watching Richie McCaw in his prime just the, the unbelievable ability to stay right go right up to the edge of the line but stay the right side of it and just have massive impacts at key moments yeah I mean Mauro's one of those ones and it, it, moments like this you kind of you don't want to overstate things or overhype but he is a player that I feel so often now Tim in big games consistently for Saracens, for England. And now we've seen him do it for the Lions. We saw him be excellent against New Zealand. So the second Lions tour in the row that he absolutely turns up. He puts in massive performances. And you talk about all-time greats and things. I think he's I think he's, he's close to being a real Lions legend. And do you know what I mean by that? Just to give you an example, Johnny Wilkinson, right? English legend. Not necessarily a Lions legend, though. I'm talking about in that Lions jersey, what they've achieved and the performances they've put in. I don't know if you think I'm, I'm getting ahead no. of myself, but I think Marrow is is on his way, if not already there. No, he's he's no doubt he's on his way to greatness. Now, uh, chatting with Greg Laidlaw in the bar that I was in, uh, former Lion and Scotland captain Greg Laidlaw, he said that one of the things about Warren Gatland is he's quite old school, and after a win, he, he encourages the guys to enjoy it. You know, make sure they get rehydrated and have a, have, a, have a bit of a sing-song when they do. But... Marco Vernapola, uh, who was named as a replacement on the weekend after Wynne Jones dropped out of the squad through injury. He played really well as well, took his chance, I think. Uh, he was chatting earlier today and told our reporter, Andrew McKenna, the celebrations didn't last too long following the win. Pretty much in the change room, to be honest. Came in and uh, Wynne just spoke to us. Uh, we're obviously delighted with the result, um, but we fully comprehend that this weekend there'll be even, it'll be an even bigger challenge. Um, 
they'll be wounded after that and the series on the line uh, we know that it's going to be a step up again this weekend when you think back to 2013 obviously you won the first test in in Brisbane down to Melbourne and that was a nail biter as well just because you win the first test doesn't doesn't guarantee you anything does it no exactly um not just 2013 we've spoken about in 2001 when they won the series there as well and well won the first test sorry and then they ended up losing the series. So that was one one game as one part of three. Um, on to the next one now. And again, there'll be a fresh, clean slate this weekend. And we know that anything that happened on Saturday doesn't really matter this weekend. You may not be that surprised to hear, but an awful lot of people are talking about Marrow's performance on Saturday. As someone who's known him for as long as you have, does anything he does surprise you anymore? I guess you kind of get used to it when you, you're playing with him and uh, you're in and around him every day in training. So... Everything he does on the field is a uh, product, product of what he does away from it. So, um, trains hard, uh, works his socks off, to be fair to him, and pays dividends can come weekend. He puts in performances like that. Um, but no, you kind of, you're still in awe a little bit as well. Um, the amount of work he got through, the level of physicality, and just how he's able to kind of move on to the next job without thinking too much. Um, something that he's got better and better with as he's got older. Marco Vunapola talking to Andrew McKenna earlier today. Uh, I, I love how chilled out Marco Vunapola sounds all the time. Uh, and when you see him on the field, it doesn't matter whether he plays one minute or the full 80. He always just looks exhausted the whole time. But the engine on the guy is unreal. And I think he's played himself into, even if Wynne Jones uh, is recovered and fit. And we'll talk about this later in the show. I think he has to be in the 23. He was that good. I agree. Yeah, as, as you say, Tim, we're going to go through who R23 would be uh, for the second test. Uh, but I think Mako, he's done everything he can, hasn't he, really, to put himself in the shot window. Exactly. And that's all Warren Gatlin could want is those selection dilemmas, uh, which, as I say, we will get into a little bit later. On the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus B, drink aware. Now, no one gets you closer to the Lions. We've got all the build-up, analysis, opinions from experts, from legends. We've got the passion of the fans and, of course live commentary of all the test matches on TalkSport as the Lions take on the world champion Springboks in South Africa. And next, actually, we're going to be focusing on South Africa and in particular, their director of rugby, Razi Erasmus, who's become the subject of a really unusual Twitter controversy over the last couple of days. A really bizarre one, this. So we'll be joined by South African journalist Brendan Nell next. South African boss Razi Erasmus is under suspicion for running a fake Twitter account to put pressure on the lines. This is viewpoint. Like with the officials, we thought we'd, they'd done a really good job in the weekend. This guy's mad enough to do this, or he's not, or this is nonsense, or something. You know, so it'll, it'll be a bit of a talking point for them. With the referees we've had, we've been having meetings with him in terms of debriefing the, the previous game. This really is 2021, isn't it? <laughs> so we've already had a bit of needle between the Lions and the Springboks on this tour already. There was Warren Gatlin versus Razzy Erasmus on the rescheduled matches. And then the digs between the two about Razzy being a water carrier who doesn't actually carry any water. Well, things on the 2021 Lions tour have got even weirder, as you just heard there. Speculation that Razzy Erasmus is using a burner Twitter account to highlight the areas the officials made wrong calls on against South Africa on the weekend. Uh, to help me make some sense out of this one. We've got Brendan Nell, uh, an esteemed journalist in South Africa, joining me now. Hi, Brendan. Hello, guys. Good to be here. We're having a bit of a giggle at this over here in the UK. Is this story getting much attention in South Africa? 
Well, I think it's getting all the attention that Russia wants it to get, and I think everybody's sort of taken the bait, and it's become sort of the talking point of the day, and I think that's probably exactly what he wanted at the end of the day. You know, it's a bit of fun, it's a bit of banter. It's, uh, you know, it's, to me, I said to somebody today, uh, obviously we don't have people to run social media accounts, and we don't have people to carry water in South Africa. It's a specialised job, and we've got the right guy. I don't know if you're running cover for Razzie here. I don't think he he meant for people to work out this code. He was just retweeting an account with a video, uh, but it, which which what some people are speculating was a, a, an account that he created. Well, I, think, I mean, we haven't got confirmation of that. But I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised if it was him over there. I mean, I remember in twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen, when Owen Farrell made that hit on Andre Estes and they got the Springboks so rolled up. Uh, suddenly, the same account released a video uh, of Rushy, you know, showing Andre Estes and how to tackle like Owen Farrell. So this is very much in the playbook of Rushy Rasmus. So I think, uh, to me, it, it takes the focus. He gets his message out of, about you know, the, the, the things he wants to highlight, and probably takes the focus off the players at the moment because all the focus is on him, and the team can carry on preparing. But yeah, yeah. It's, it certainly added some spice to the, the whole test series. Oh, it's definitely done that. And, and f- for the record, that video he did with Andre Esterhazen uh, after the, the high Owen Farrell tackle a couple of years back was hilarious. So if, if this is another joke on Razzie's part, brilliant. And more of it, please. I love it. I'm just going to uh, play devil's advocate here for a second, Brendan, and say that had this mm. been, had people uh, thought that Eddie Jones had done this, the reaction would have been nuclear and people would have been uh, attacking his character, his integrity for trying to uh, manipulate the situation in this fashion. <laughs> I'm sure they would have. But yeah, the difference between Rossi and Eddie is that um, you know, Eddie doesn't seem to have a very good relationship with his own journalists in, in, in England and tends to roll them up as well. But uh, yeah, Eddie sort of you know, it's caters to, to offend everybody, I suppose, and that's, that's Eddie Jones. But, uh, yeah, Rusty, I mean, he's, he's been quite clever. I mean, we, we we first got to know him as a coach when, you know, he'd use coloured disco lights on the roof and sit on the roof of the stadium sending signals to his players. So he's always been an innovator. Yeah. And, you know, by the time everybody's fo- focused on this stuff, he's probably on to the next thing. Uh, I, yeah, I love it. I just, I just the only thing, I wonder if... Uh, the mask has slipped a little bit because he gives off a very cool, calm and collected uh, character. That's what he projects out there. But maybe he's a little bit angrier under the skin about some of the decisions. Um, would he be right to if that is how he really feels underneath it? Well, well I, I think there is a bit of frustration there. And I think, I think you know, uh, last week the box were very quiet today in their build-up as such. And you know, obviously losing the game and, and some of those controversial calls that, that went against them, yeah, it's not the reason they lost, and I don't think anybody in South Africa would claim it's the reason, but it, it really didn't help their cause either. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think there is a bit of a frustration there as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I can understand it. I can, I can understand they under pressure as well, and, and maybe the pressure is showing a little bit. Well, in the spirit of, uh, you know, kinship uh, across continents, I, I thought very much we got the the better deal. All, all the talk was about how did they pick a... Why have they picked a, a South African television match official? That's going to make life difficult for Marius Jonker. I thought that played into the Lions' hands at the weekend because uh, Hamish Watson avoided a yellow card. And I thought the Ville LaRue try should have should have stood. So, um I'm selfishly very happy about that, but I could I could understand the frustration. But in terms of what South Africa do to, to turn this round, what would you do? What, what do you think they do? Will they make any changes to the side this week? 
No, I don't think necessarily there'd be too many changes. I think they might be a bit of an altering of strategy. I think the Lions did extremely well on the weekend. I mean, the Springboks only had four lineouts. And, and you know, when they, when they scrum in that second half didn't function and didn't get the, the dominance, and they didn't have any lineouts to launch, that's, that's basically 70% of their game plan. I think the Springboks did pretty well. If, I mean, if I had to be as, uh, the, the, ever the optimist for, spring, for the Springboks, I'd say, you know, the fact that they didn't get their lineouts or their scrums and, and, they, and they had to make do with broken field play and still ended up within five points of this line side will probably be something they'll, they'll, they'll you know, take as a positive. And obviously, they lost the game, so that's that's going to add the pressure this week. But uh, yeah, they, the the biggest thing to me was they didn't take one aerial ball in in that in that second half. And England and uh, sorry, the Lions' uh, kicking was exceptional in that game. Uh, I don't think the box will be caught unawares this time around, uh, and I think they'll they'll make a couple of contingency plans. Brendan, I'm just going to demonstrate how little I really know. Uh, because all the talk last week, well, as soon as the South African team was announced, is I was terrified of the replacement front row. But as it happened, uh, it, it seemed like a big turning point was deciding to make that change and bring them on at half-time and interrupt what was a front row and a set-piece that was doing really well in that first half. Are, are people in South Africa talking about that as being a tactical error? Yeah, I think there is. There are a lot of question marks around that, and and, and I mean, you know, it, it is, it is, it's a fair point that that scrum in the front uh, first half was doing very well. Uh, the front row there, yeah, I think there's a couple of things in there. We, uh, we were quite surprised at the the bench that uh, Gatton uh, picked last week, but yeah, the more I think about it, now obviously hindsight's a perfect science, but yeah, he he didn't necessarily pick the best front row to come on in the second row, in second half or the best best replacements. He picked players to sort of negate the, the Springbok front row, and it worked very well. And and you know the, the box was also a bit, bit peeved. I know afterwards uh, we, we've heard a bit that you know they felt that that Nick uh, Nick Berry uh, you know, called. They didn't get a chance to do the second shove, which is usually a trademark of their scrum. And he called the uh, use it, use it very quickly. So, yeah, they're going to have to make a couple of contingency plans of that. I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I think uh, I think that scrum, there's not, there's not necessarily better players in South Africa. I think, yeah, there's, there's maybe just a focus. And, and uh, it's quite interesting in the box today talking about, you know, the same sort of feeling after the first match in the World Cup where they lost to New Zealand. You know, that where they knew they had to go make it right, and they did. Obviously, this is a very different situation, but it was just interesting hearing them talk about that. Interesting. Um, and, Brendan, I've got to ask before I go, because, you know, in, in big games like this, quite often uh, an individual performance can have a, a huge impact on a game, and Maru Itoji's coming in for some high praise. We've been talking about him on, on, the, on the show today already. Is he being lauded in the same way in South Africa following Saturday? I think he is. I think I, 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 had a, I had a discussion with one of the, one of the British journalists last week about him before the game, and and I made the point that you know part of the reason why South Africans maybe don't rate him as highly is that you know he ne- he's never had a very good game against South Africa. He's always you know been rather quiet, and and then the box have managed to stifle him. But on Saturday he was excellent. Uh, yeah, he got away with one or two things. I think that that turnover penalty on the on the try line was maybe. Uh, yeah, very lucky for him. But uh, yeah, he got, he got away with it, and he was exceptional in the loose. And uh, yeah, he was really at the heart. Him and Courtney Laws were at the heart of the Lions' win. And I think definitely there's a lot of people in South Africa looking at him very differently now. I think you've given us a brilliant insight to uh, the, the mindset in South Africa. So Brendan, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Pleasure, anytime, guys. Good man. 
Make, let's keep keep Brendan's number uh, on file, Alfie. We'll make sure we speak to Brendan again. That was really interesting. And, uh, yeah, I'd sort of um, f- forgotten about how the, these players might have existed in the minds of uh, people that only watch them when they play against South Africa. And he pointed out that Mario Atoji hasn't really shown up for England against um, South Africa in the past. And it just made me think as well. There was a point in that second half when there were five English players in the pack. And albeit they're there to play for the Lions and that's the focus, but there must have been a little bit in the back of their minds just going, we owed you that from 2019. Yeah, I know all the players when they've been asked about this, all the English players have always played down any any talk of revenge. And maybe revenge is the wrong way of framing it, but course the World Cup final was going to hurt them they came into it off the back of one of the greatest wins in English rugby history beating New Zealand in the semi-final looking brilliant and and they got absolutely dominated by South Africa so I wouldn't be surprised Tim by by no means but that I found that fascinating listening to Brendan there's there's clearly a, a, a frustration bubbling under partly at the team and how they performed in that second half and partly at some of the decisions that that went against them it's set up to be another, maybe even a bigger battle this weekend. No, I think it will be. I mean, it's huge, isn't it, now coming after that first test. I also thought the comparison with losing the first game in the 2019 World Cup is an interesting one as well. I, yes. I, I hadn't considered that. I forget that about that South African team that they lost to New Zealand in their opening group game, then, of course, went on to win it. So they're a side that they're no strangers to having to come back from situations like this. And, and let's be frank even though the Lions were, I think, much the better side by the end of the 80 minutes, they only won by five points. So the game, and with some of those decisions, could have easily gone another way. Yeah, really, really interesting. I enjoyed that chat a lot. It's the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. TalkSport with commentary of every test match between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. And next we'll be talking about a man with ice in his veins who came off the bench and had a big impact at the weekend. Owen Farrell, whose former teammate Tom Stagg from Harpenden Rugby Club can spill the beans on him in today's player profile. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Strikes it right-footed. The Lions fans like it. Owen Farrell likes it. The Lions leave for the first time on the evening. Owen Farrell, Saracens, England. It's funny that probably one of the youngest guys in the team, Owen Farrell, is the guy that's driving everyone on, though. The guy is 22 years of age, barking at everyone, driving everyone around the pitch. We should all be doing it. Right-footed. It's up. It's on the way. It's straight between the posts. Owen Farrell's first kick of the afternoon and makes it South Africa 17. British and Irish Lions, 22. And now steps forward, right-footed. He's given it a good whack. Has it got the distance? Yes, it has. It has the accuracy too. Game tied. All Blacks 15, Lions 15 with two minutes and 10 seconds to go. Amazing bit of music there from the Verve, from Wigan, which is exactly... Well, it's exactly where the, the today's player profile hails from. In fact, a, a dynasty of a family from that part of the world. Uh, England, Saracens and now British and Irish Lions for the third time, Owen Farrell, who once again slotted a high-pressure penalty at the weekend to give Lions a five-point lead against South Africa in those dying moments. And the England captain, he's our focus today where we look at each member of the Lions touring party and speak to former coaches, family members, and to, in the case of today, to a, a former teammate of Owen Farrell's from Harpenden Rugby Club. Hiya, Tom Stagg. Hi there, how you doing? Very well. Uh, so tell me about when you and Owen played together and, and your memories of uh, of a young Owen Farrell. Yeah, so it was quite a while ago now, um, although I still talk about it as if it was uh, training on a, on Thursday <laughs> night. Um, yeah, it would have been way back when we were Colts. Um, he was playing in I think he was joined when we were about 14 um, and even then he was playing with under 15 16 17s um, so he played in all the age groups that he could really um, so yeah it was quite a while ago now but um, sort of my earliest memories apart from jealousy and general inadequacy um, <laughs> was just just how much fun it was and and how gifted he was and, and what a unit he was at such a young age it's interesting you use the word fun as well. I'd like to dig into that a little bit because uh, off the pitch, uh, Owen and I, you know, I work talk sport and uh, do some work on, on the telly as well in the rugby. He, he doesn't give a lot away to us in the media. He's a very, very private guy. What's he like when he when, when he can let his guard down? Um, well, you know what? I mean, I, I, I could try and pretend that I was quite a close friend of his now, but I'm not, so I wouldn't be best placed to say, but I understand what you mean. I think at that age, Harpenden had so many good players, and there was a couple of years, I think the, the under-17s won the National Cup that he was a part of, which was the year below me, um, and there was just so many talented players coming through, uh, as well as Farrell. Um, he had Ford in his age group, uh, George Ford, he had uh, Itoja, I think, in a year or two below, and and Singleton, um, also of England, uh, in that age group. So there was just so much talent coming through. And um, I think playing back then for Harpenden was, was a real, you know, breath of fresh air from his, you know, his almost like his day job at the time, which would have been Saracens Academy and, and all those young England age groups that he had to play in. Yeah, I know. He obviously came with the name and and his, his father was yeah. a, a legend in, in both codes. But um, yeah. did you? So would it, it would be easy to sort of go, well, he's going to go far. But in terms of what you saw, was it quite clear at that young age that hold on, he's 
he's he's gonna he's a future British and Irish lion. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think I mean, like you said earlier, he, he came down from Wigan. He had to swap Wigan kebabs and gravy for for sort of almond croissants and lattes down here in Harbordon. <laughs> he just kind of just goes straight into it um, with that reputation, um, with the name that came with it. Um, but you know, as I say, as, as a 14-year-old lad playing with the under-15s, playing with the under-16s, all the way through making his debut for for uh, Saracens at 17. There was clearly, I mean, whilst he was destined for greatness, I was sort of next to him, destined for sort of gout. Um, so it was very, very, very different styles. Um, but yeah, he just, he was just clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, we, we saw Owen come off the bench on Saturday and uh, Mako Vunapola explained to us, uh, have a listen to this. He said, even though those not starting the tests um, uh, were on the bench like himself, uh, they've brought that into their preparations. We had to make sure we gave the boys who were playing best preparation, but also understand that we had to be ready that um, if anything happened, that we come in and um, do our do our job for the team. So, um, no, anyone that was called on late would have been prepared to do the same thing, I feel. Um, both Mako and Owen gave unbelievable uh, Im- impacts and performances off the bench. I mean, in the capacity you knew Owen at, was he was he super serious and professional at that young age? Because he's so, he's just so focused on his rugby. It's nothing. It's just rugby, rugby, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've previously described him as being a bit like Roy Keane in terms of that um, in terms of that sort of stoic approach to the game. Um, fairly, un- it looks kind of unemotional. I think from from the from afar, and I'm sure it, I'm sure it's quite the opposite. I'm sure there's a lot of emotion going on there. Um, but I just think his, his, his ability um, to sort of put that aside and perform on those big games, like you say, from a young age, just quite as still so strong to adapt, to move down here. And maybe that's why, maybe it's because he did have to kind of prove himself from such a young age and he did have to go through these changes from, because he was a league player back up north before he, before he played Union. Um, so, yeah, I think his, his whole career from a young age was all about winning and preparation and doing everything right in order to achieve that. Yeah, and I think the the seriousness that you talk about is is his strength. It's what's made him the player he is, and he is world class. But equally, I think it's some of the reason why he um he gets a bit of stick often from, well, from in the club game from people that aren't Saracens fans, and on the international stage from anyone but England fans. <laughs> yeah. Unfairly, I would say. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think um I think it's his sort of demeanour. He he kind of seems to care about winning, and and that's it. I think he, he really seems to be the kind of player who, if he plays well or if he plays badly, he cares about winning and uh, he wants to knock over three points and he wants to, to, to smash people in the rucks like he, like he does, which is obviously rare for, for a 10 or, or a 12. Um, so, yeah, I think people, people, maybe, maybe people like a, a maverick and they like a guy who's going to maybe do something crazy and do something different. And I know in terms of the kind of player who gets out there um, kicks ninety percent of his goals and and um, and just walks away with a win, and I think that might be frustrating for other fans for sure. Do, do you think we might see him in the starting side for the second test this weekend? Uh, you know what, I I don't know. I thought um, I thought bigger played well enough, and I think the key thing is is with, with Owen is is these big pressure kicks in games, um, and uh, bigger would seem to do an okay job knocking them over, and bigger's form has been good. Um, but I just think he's so valuable to have in, in the squad that you can't leave him out. Um, so, I, I, you know what, whether he starts or not, I do expect him to be uh, in the 22 jersey at least. Yeah, agreed. Uh, are you still in touch with Owen at all? 
I'm not. No, I think last time I saw him, I was uh, I was his body double for for an advert, um, uh, which was uh, they you know they needed they needed someone who could uh, um, sort of look the part um, without any of the ability, which is kind of what I've done my whole career. Um, so yeah, that was that was probably the last time I saw him, and um, and um, yeah, I mean he's he's too busy with his uh, Saracens and international superstars for for the little guys like me. Wow, you're you're <laughs> you're, you're mate. It might have been part of your contract for that that you weren't allowed to reveal that. What was the advert? Uh, it was for um, I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what I'm allowed to say. It was for a uh, for a car company. Uh, so an automotive company. Wow. I never re- I never read the small print in the contract. Um, I don't read the small print in a menu, let alone a contract. So, did, um, uh, did, did Owen suggest you for the body double? Are you like oh, a, bit, a bit more oh, stacked I, than him? I, oh, I, I highly doubt. I highly doubt his first choice was uh, was Tom Stag. Um, I doubt he thought, "Who can I put to play me?" I'll have Staggy. <laughs> I think um, it would have been someone completely different. But um, I think I was probably the cheapest person going. Mate, um, you, that that is a that's a great claim to fame. That's outstanding, <laughs> Tom. Uh, what what would you say to your former teammate uh, Owen Farrell if if you were chatting to him right now and not me? Uh, you know, with the context that we're in right now with the, with the Lions squad, with everything he's achieved, what, what would you say to him? I'd say, calm down, big lads. Calm down, big game ahead. Um, as, as a typical half in an accent there. Um, no, you know what? I, I there's probably there's probably not much I could say because he he seems to have the game so figured out. Um, he seems to be the kind of player who is immune to criticism and at the same time, um, you know, knows his own strengths and weaknesses. So I, I would probably just tell him to, to go out there and do what he does, do what he does best, which is just win, basically, which is a weird skill set to have. But he seems to just walk away with wins, be it for Saracens, um, for England, for getting the World Cup final, of course, um, and then lately for the Lions. Tom, I'm just going to make one final suggestion. Get your CV into talk sport, mate. And thanks for your time. <laughs> Noted. All right. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Uh, you're listening to the Lions Daily on Talk Sport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. And up next, well, me and Alfie, we're going to go through our sides to start the second test for the Lions. Will there be any changes? Should it be kept the same? And we'll have a bit of time for a few of those amusing moments from Talk Sport's commentary over the weekend. I don't think they can do too much in with regards to changing personnel. Looking at the front row, I'd change that, uh, all three of them, to be honest. The decisions at half-time, the talk at half-time, obviously, would be to get control of the ball. They started perfectly. On another day, we could have got absolutely battered there a few times because we just got cut open in defence, we lost the ball, we lost line-outs. So lots of positives. South Africa will be better next game after this. This is a great start for the Lions, but lots to learn on both sides. It wasn't really a game for the back line as such at the weekend. It was, you know, a real sort of forward dominated, but obviously the nines were pretty heavily involved, a lot of box kicking. So as I sort of mentioned before, it was a game where you needed patience. It was, yeah, it was a case of job done for the Lions on Saturday, wasn't it? They're 1-0 up in the series, but... As you were just hearing some discussion, big question. Will Warren Gatlin make any changes to his side, to his 23-man squad? The second test squad will be named tomorrow. Before we get into who we would pick, myself and Alfie, uh, and uh, you know, you can get give you a chance to get thinking yourself, let's hear some more thoughts from the Lions camp. And Steve Tandy spoke with our reporter in South Africa, Neil Manthorpe, earlier today. Well, see, let me ask you first of all, how is uh, Wynne Jones? got a minor shoulder um so yeah he'll probably be a little bit of a doubt for for this weekend but hopefully for for the third test it'll be fit and round to go if the team is still set to be announced on tuesday does that mean everybody has to be ready to go and training by tuesday or might you name somebody on 
condition they might be ready later. Yeah, you may, you may do it on, on a condition someone might be ready. Um, I think we've got that. And again, we've got more or less a, a fully fit squad to pick from. So it's, it's great that we've got th those contingencies and backups. But yeah, if it was someone who we think could train on, on Thursday and take full part, then I think they would definitely still be in around the mix. You'd like them to train a full week, but it doesn't always work out. Steve Tandy there talking to Neil Manthorpe. Uh, he's the Lions coach and giving us a bit of an update on the fitness of some of the players, which definitely comes into play in a in, in, when you're selecting a squad for a second test. I was just thinking Dan Bigger has got the return to play protocols after a, a head injury at the weekend. I think that might have been who Steve Tandy was sort of hinting at, that he might not train, but will be deemed available for the weekend. So with that in mind, Alfie, and, and with what we've heard, let's go through who we would pick. Firstly, I guess I should say, would you make any changes to the 23-man squad? I've got a few, yeah. Although it is one of those, Tim, that I think if they do happen to name the same team, I wouldn't have too much of an issue with it. But having said that, I was looking on Twitter earlier today and I saw a stat. Let me quickly hear. It was from Russ Petty. He said the last Lions unchanged 15 from first to second tests was 1974. So you'd expect changes, really. It's not often that they name exactly the, sta the same starting team um, from the first to the second test match. So I've got a couple in there. What about you? Uh, yeah, equally, I've, I've got a few. Uh, it was quite interesting chatting to Greg Laidlaw at the weekend, um, and he was part of the TalkSport coverage of that first test and for every test as well. Uh, he said uh, that Warren Gatland likes to make changes. He said it's just one of the things about Warren Gatland in Greg Laidlaw, Laidlaw's experience that he he will just naturally make a couple of changes come what may. Maybe he just likes to keep people involved, freshen things up, make people be rewarded for their performances in training and things. So, I, I, But that said, we're not trying to guess what Warren Gatland is going to do. We're going to... We're going to suggest what we would do if we were in his shoes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Shall we? Where do you want to start? Should we go front row to yeah. start with? Yeah. Now, we just heard from Steve Tandy that Win Jones probably not available this weekend. If he were available, I, I would have brought him in probably to start. And I think Mako Vinopola's performance deserves to stay in the 23. So Rory Sutherland would be the man who dropped out. I thought he made a few errors, looked a bit shaky at times in the scrum. No, nothing major, but uh, it would have mm. been enough to... Uh, but, but as it stands, it sounds like it might just be the same too. Well, yeah, I agree with you, but but going on the basis that Wynne Jones isn't fit, I've gone Mako to start and, and Sutherland dropping to the bench. That's interesting. I, I, I'm i almost thinking I might keep it the, the same mm. because cause Sinclair and Mako know each other very well. They're the two props for England and if they came on together in the second half, almost as a unit, it might work. Yeah, okay, and no, I see the logic there. I, I think that's a fair call. I, I was just, as you say, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't think Rory Sutherland had the best of games, but right. he's probably more on my bench just because I'm expecting Wynne Jones to be injured. The other change that I probably would make, maybe this is this is harsh, is putting Luke Cowan Dickey on the bench and actually having Jamie George start, which is what I had when we originally did our team for, for the first test, was what I went with, maybe mm. unfairly, on Ken Owens. That's interesting. But I'd still maybe like to see Jamie George start and have the impact of Luke Cowan-Dickey off the bench, although Luke Cowan-Dickey had, had a very good second half, didn't he, getting that try? So he, he did, and I thought Ken Owens was great when he came on as well. Yeah. So I think it would be quite harsh to, to for Ken Owens to lose his spot in the squad. I also think that some of the line-out uh, th that went awry weren't actually Luke Cowan-Dickey's fault. There was, there was one where the lifters obviously got messed up and... So quite often the hooker. So I've played hooker before. Alfie. Quite often the, <laughs> the hooker gets the blame for for things which are actually team issues or Fair point. Or, or pack issues. So I think I'd keep hooker the same, but the, the, it's definitely up for, up for, up for debate. Any others in the pack? No, I was debating Tom Curry, 
but I don't, I don't think I would change him. I was debating switching him and Watson, but I, I don't think those couple of, you know, the, the little bit of ill discipline we saw with Tom Curry and Faf de Klerk, I don't think that's worthy of being dropped. So I'd, I'd probably stay stay the same in the pack after that. I agree with you on that. Uh, behind the scrum, I I would contemplate changing the nines around. I just thought Conor Murray was so, so had such a calming influence coming off the bench. And I kind of agree with James Haskell that the South Africa will be better next time. And I just wonder if the sort of dynamism and the speed and the impact of Ali Price might be better suited to coming on at 60 minutes when we need to invigorate the team of it. So I've kept my nines the same because I felt like Conor Murray came on at the perfect time when the Lions were kind of taking the lead or just taking the league and having that experienced head. You can't purely pick someone because you don't know what situation you're going to be in when when they come on. But I actually thought that worked quite well. I didn't think Ali Price had, had too bad a game, but... Obviously, he had a lot less quick front football than we were used to in the warm-ups. But, yeah, personally, I'd keep that the same. Bigger stays the same. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Henshaw is in, but would you consider Elliot Daly? Yes, I would. So I've got two changes in my back line. The first is Daly, and I'd be tempted to bring Owen Farrell in put Henshaw at 13, Farrell at 12. I just I felt, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, I felt like we we struggled to get almost outside the, the 12 channel. We didn't see much of our wide players. And I'm just thinking maybe having an extra playmaker in there, someone of Owen Farrell's experience could potentially open that up. Maybe I get there's a lot of other factors in terms of what the forwards are doing, which also impact that. Uh, but I also thought Elliot Daly didn't have the best the best of games. So yeah, I, I was thinking Farrell in for Daly, Henshaw to 13. I, I would be more than happy with that I'll go along with that the, the one change I would make in the back three would be Liam Williams coming in for Duan van der Merwe this is less a criticism of Duan van der Merwe's uh, uh, performance he actually was effective at times it was it was more the fact that South Africa have clearly shown their hand what they're going to do and if they're going to go aerial we need to just get the best people on the field at that and I think Liam Williams is perfectly suited for that for that task yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by Duan van der Merwe and the way in which he dealt with some of the aerial threat, actually. I, I was maybe expecting a little less. So I am bringing in Liam Williams, but I'm bringing him in for Stuart Hogg and putting, mm. it, and putting him at fullback and then keeping Watson and van der Merwe the same on the wings. Interesting. OK, well, I guess we'll, we'll see tomorrow who's more along on the wavelength with Warren Gatlin, won't we? And of course, the reason the team's being announced tomorrow... It's because what happened last week was Warren Gatlin told it to his squad and someone within the Lions camp leaked it to the press. So Warren Gatlin said, right, well, as soon as I tell the players, I'll tell the press as well. So we'll have that to talk about tomorrow. We've only got to wait. But before the end of today's Lions Daily, uh, let's have a look at some of those uh, amusing moments from Talk Sports commentary at the weekend. Uh, we've done this throughout Lions Daily and it's what's special about rugby. Even in a sport of gladiatorial combat, there's always time for a bit of a laugh especially here at TalkSport Towers. So firstly, co-commentator James Haskell responded to Andrew McKenna's story about David Flatman. Although I saw David Flatman on social media this week say he, he stood near Franz Malherbe during the World Cup in Japan and, and Flat said, I'm 125 kgs and he could have put me in his pocket. He, reckon, he reckoned he was playing in Japan at near 140. Yeah, and, if, and if David Flatman reckons he's only 125 kgs, he's lying about that as well. You know, the fat lads are always lying. I remember, Matt, you know, uh, Macavanapola used to make the, the fitness trainer stand on the other side of the room when he weighed in and just wrote whatever he wanted. And every time the fitness trainer came in and said, what was it? He just told him to go away in no uncertain terms. 
I love having Haskell on the team. He's quite happy to throw his uh, former teammates under the bus. Love He's it. given us great stories, isn't he, Haskell <laughs> on Coco? It is worth it for that alone. Listen, the build-up and the atmosphere and the, and the serious analysis is all great as well. But James Haskell has given us some great nuggets throughout this Lions tour. It's been brilliant. And next, well... We have all those days where we aren't firing on all cylinders. And when that happens, well, here's James Haskell's way of dealing with it. I really should shut up and just never do this job again because everything I say... <laughs> everything well, I say, well, since you brought it up. Yeah, everything I say, everything I say, they just do the complete opposite. And I know how easy it is now. Like when I was a player, and people used to get in the stand and go, why is Haskell doing this? Why is Haskell doing that? He's an idiot. What's he doing? It's very difficult to see it when you're on the field as to what's going on and why you don't have the composure. And it's very easy in my ivory tower to sit here and say, keep your composure. Yeah, uh, and I, I used I was one of those fans shouting at the telly that time Haskell ran into the post protector at <laughs> the Millennium Stadium against Wales. One of the all-time great moments, oh, that, that, it, one, that one. It was a great moment, but a uh, great value. And finally, let's have another one from Haskell as well. Finally, whenever you aren't sure exactly what has happened in commentary, here's how you get around it. Speaking of potential problems, Dan Biggers coming off here, isn't he, James Haskell? Yeah, I don't know what he's done here. It looks like he's either jarred his ankle or his knee or, or done something there. I know he's actually got you no know, joint, he's, he's knocked himself out a bit, I think. So there's something not right. <laughs> I mean, I've basically listed every, all the possible yes. eventualities. Something's not right with him, and he's come off. That's a huge um, uh, loss for the Lions for the minute. Hopefully, he will come back on if it is HIA. He looked to be slightly out as he hit the ground. Dr. Haskell, uh, part of TalkSport's coverage. Brilliant. Stuff. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Right, this is Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. And thank you for listening today. Remember, TalkSport will have commentary of every test match between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. That second test is this Saturday at 5pm. And next on TalkSport 2, it's Escape to Victory, our documentary marking 40 years since the iconic film.